Let me go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, I simply pray that you would use me tonight to faithfully communicate your heart and your words. Encourage us, challenge us, strengthen us by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, it's about 7.15. I'm going to try to get through this by 7.45 at the very latest. Throw tomatoes if I, if I start going long, okay? So looking at the introduction, I don't need to tell you this tonight. You know that the tensions are running high right now. I can't remember the last time there was this tense of an environment socially, politically, medically. It seems like we're coming out of a lot of it. It seems like the virus is sort of behind us and the unemployment numbers that came out today are getting better, praise God. The race-related tension is so much just... It was like a five-car crash in an intersection. And, And so there's a lot of tension right now. And it may take a while to clean up. It may take... Months and months. So there's the coronavirus situation. There's the protests and riots after the very tragic death of Mr. George Floyd. And we have an election coming up in a few months. So everything's going to be hyper-politicized. I'm already hearing on the radio sort of jabs at certain things. And it's... It's all for political gain. And so we're going to have to navigate this for a while. And so that's why tonight I'm talking about overcoming evil with good. It's a very important season right now to focus on the simple, the simple thing of just doing good to others. And so... It's tempting right now. In fact, I would say the most tempting thing right now is to just kind of go, eh, I'll let this just kind of ride itself out. I'll kind of hunker down and disappear till the elections are done. It would be easy to do nothing. Everybody in this room and everybody tuning in through Facebook, we are human. And so we're prone to fear. We're prone to discouragement. And so again, it would be easier than anything else just to say, you know what, I'm not going to just, I'm just going to do nothing. I'm just going to kind of focus on me, myself, and I and just kind of ride this out until, I don't know, 2021 comes and maybe the new year will bring some good news. But this kind of, I'm going to just kind of do nothing, sort of just kind of write it out. That's a, what I would call a false hope that's rooted in despair. Here's the beautiful thing. As Christians, we're called to be salt and light, not just when it's easy or convenient or when our favored political party's in power, or when everybody's healthy, or when the economy is great, but, but always to be salt and light. And so as Christians, during good times and during 
bad times, difficulties, persecutions, coronaviruses, rioting, elections. We're called to be salt and light always. And so we need to fully engage spiritually and practically. Again, the temptation, let me just disengage, let me just go hide for a while. And the Holy Spirit's whispering, no, you feel weak, I get it, you're human, you're broken like everybody else, but if you engage, you can be salt and light to others who are in great need. We are always to do good, especially right now, and in so doing, here's the thing, when we do a simple kind deed, like Peg brought ice cream tonight, simple kind deed, What you don't know, Peg, is just literally a few minutes before that, Joshua was saying, Dad, I'm so hungry. I need something to eat. Then Peg shows up with ice cream and fruit. You changed his night. And if we kind of in that same spirit, which is kind of what my message is about tonight, if we purpose to do something kind... It can change the atmosphere. It can change someone's day or night. It can change someone's week. It can shift neighborhoods and cities. And our nation can shift if enough people say, you know what, I'm not going to disengage. I'm a Christian. I'm called to be salt and light. I'm going to do something good. I feel like so many people are waiting for this archangel to appear in the sky and say, do good. We already have that. It's called the Bible. And the Bible instructs us to love our neighbor. No matter what day of the week it is, no matter what we're going through, no matter, again, who's in power, who's not in power, we're called to do good. So, so tonight I want to talk about overcoming evil with good. There's so much evil in the world. I don't want to go into all the details of all the evil. But certainly there are many evils in our world today. One of them that's confronting us right now is this evil of racism. Or this evil of sickness that snuffs out people's lives. There's much evil. We are called to overcome it by doing good deeds. I have it written here in letter B, which is what I'm saying by good, doing good is doing good deeds, which basically comes down to, yes, words, but actions. Actions that we have thought about, that we are intentional about, to be a blessing to others. I thought the most practical story we could look at is the story of the Good Samaritan. In fact, Joe is here this week, every night in fact, and I read this the other day. I want to read it again because this is probably the most practical, simple passage that gives us the the steps, the marching orders on what it looks like to do good when evil has happened. So let's read Luke 10, 25 to 37. Luke 10, 25 to 37 says, Behold, a certain lawyer stood up to test him. 
the religious people were always trying to test Jesus. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what's written in the law? What, what is your reading of it? What's your interpretation? So he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He gave the right answer. So Jesus said, you've answered rightly. Do this and you will live. So now, here's where the rubber meets the road. The lawyer wants to justify himself. He wants to know he's always been doing this. And so he says, okay, let me just got one, one more test for you. Who's my neighbor? Is it the guy next door? The gal down the street? And Jesus says, essentially, it's anybody who needs you. That's your neighbor. And here's the answer he gives. A man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Seen a lot of that in the news lately. A lot of people wounded, stripped of clothing, left half dead. Now a certain priest came down that road, saw him and passed by on the other side. According to the law, I can't touch him. He looks dead. I can't touch dead things. I'm a priest. This is my side commentary on it. And then a Levite, also a very spiritual leader, when he arrived in the place, came and looked, passed by on the other side. Again, I don't want to touch someone if they're dead. That's what the law says. And so they used... Here's, here's what I would describe that as. They used the Bible... They used an interpretation that they had worked on to excuse themselves from doing any good when people actually needed it. And many people still do this to this day. But now here comes the Samaritan. And when Jesus says the word Samaritan, that bothered the Jewish people because they hated Samaritans and there was racial tension there. The Jews hated Samaritans for a number of reasons. And so Jesus brings up the issue front and center. There's someone that you guys don't like, but he came down the road. He, as he's journeying, he sees this man and has compassion. Verse 33. So he went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine on him and set him on his own animal, takes him to the holiday inn and takes care of him. The next day when he departs, he takes out money, gives it to the innkeeper, says, take care of him, whatever it takes, I'll pay you back when I come around again. Jesus says, who do you think was the the neighbor? The people who had such an academic interpretation of the Bible that they did nothing? Or the guy you don't like who really helped? challenging words and so the lawyer concedes I think the person who had mercy is the neighborly person Jesus says that's right if you act like that you fulfill the law and the prophets and you please God now here's the thing there is no amount of good works that can earn us salvation we are saved by faith but once we have become a Christian The evidence of that is we love to do good to others. 
We love to help people who are needy and broken. We don't chafe at it. We don't go, ah, what an inconvenience. My interpretation of the Bible lets me go around. How many times have I just walked on by? How many times have you just walked on by? And so Jesus' words confront us. Get used to being inconvenienced. Be a neighbor. Do good to others. Letter C, I put, I believe what the Spirit wants us to notice most tonight about this passage is the vision of the Good Samaritan. Notice what it says here again in verse 33. It says, He saw him and had compassion. He saw him and had compassion. I see that water and I'm thirsty. Let me just ask a few questions just just to kind of prick our hearts a little bit. How do you view people? What do you see when you look at others? What do you see when you see someone with different colored skin? What goes through your mind? What about someone who identifies as LGBTQ or transgender? What do we think? Are they unworthy of our help? Do we go to the other side of the street because of how they affiliate? Or do we show the love of Christ to them? I'm so challenged often because the people I disagree with most theologically and morally sometimes are kinder than me, and I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to be more like Jesus, and they're more kind to me. And I just go, oh, Lord, I'm supposed to reach them, and they're reaching me. How do you view those who are impoverished or of a different socioeconomic status? How do you view the poor? How do you view the rich? How do you view the middle class? How do you view the 1%? Are they worthy of your help or not? How do you view the elderly? How do you view the handicapped? What do you see when you see a small child or someone who has obviously been addicted to drugs? The opposite gender. If anyone on that list was in need, would you walk to the other side of the road and say, someone else will help? Or are we a Christian, first and foremost, no matter who's on the other end of the need? How do you view other churches and ministries that you disagree with theologically? How do you view other streams or members of the body of Christ? Here's the thing. Here's where the rubber meets the road. When Christians and other churches or ministries, they sin differently than us. We have preferred sins over here. They have preferred sins over there. We say, well, ladies, we don't sin like that. But over here we sin like our our. Our denomination has certain things that aren't as bad as that denomination. It's just silly. 
How do you view those other types of Christians? There's so much sparring in the body of Christ. I see it play out on Twitter every day. And I just think to myself, what does the man who prayed John 17, what does Jesus think? He prayed for unity. I agree that we need to have debate. I agree that we need to have spirited debate. I agree that we need good and firm and sound theology, but not at the expense of loving one another. Here's what Jesus said, if we love one another, then everybody will know we're the real deal. And they'll say, you're his disciples, we can tell. The love you have and the the spirit of unity among you, I can tell. The Bible doesn't say they will know your disciples because of your amazing theology, your sound doctrine, although we need it, but that's not how they can tell. The Bible says they will all know you're his disciples because you love one another and it's sincere. That's what I'm shooting for in my life. Here's the thing. If that good Samaritan walking down the road saw a person with a different skin color or a gay or lesbian person or a transgender person or a poor or rich person or elderly or handicapped, a child, drug addicted, opposite gender, a different church affiliation, no matter what, that Good Samaritan says, that person needs help and at my own expense, I will help them. I will go the second mile with that person. That's Christianity. Anything else is just religion. I don't know about you, but I want to be a Christian. I want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I want to act in this spirit. I want to be the peacemaker that cuts through all the drama just to help people. And you know what? Here's the thing. We always think, well, I can't save the world. I don't have money like Jeff Bezos, who runs Amazon. I'm not a president of a nation. I can't make a difference, and so I do nothing. But you know what Jesus said in this passage? He gave an example of one person helping one person, and that's typically how it happens. One person helps one person, and the world changes. Because that person goes, you know what? I'm going to help the next guy. And then that person helps the next guy, and that person helps the next guy. That shifts cities and nations. Because presidents can legislate certain things, but you can't change the heart of a person. But if you get down low and you help someone at their most broken point, you pour in money to that person, you help them and bandage them when everybody else rejected them, you do that, that changes the heart. Scripture tells us that it's kindness that leads a person to repentance. It's my prayer tonight that we see people in their greatest need and we say, I'm going to help. Again, we can't save the world. That's why Jesus came. But we can save one. The famous missionary, Heidi Baker, she says it this way. She says, just love the person in front of you. She's known for helping all these orphans and touching the whole world. And her whole mantra is, love the person that's right in front of you. I think that's right. Paul says to the Romans, 
Romans 12 and verse 21, he says, I know what it's like for you to live in Rome. I know how oppressive the, the government is. I know you're facing persecution, and it would only get worse after this letter was written. But Paul says, don't be overcome by all the evil you're going to face. Christianity under Roman rule in that day was severely oppressive. Not a single American Christian would stand a chance there because it was, it was barbaric the way they were treated. In fact, there is a historian named Tacitus who documented that Nero, who was the emperor of Rome at that time, would, after crucifying Christians that he didn't like, would use them as human torches to light the streets. That kind of barbarism was what was normative for a season in Roman culture. And Paul says to them, guys, it's going to get evil, but overcome the evil with good. And Roman Christians did great good because they heeded the apostolic exhortation. Sometimes we can see the news and we can just be like, oh, it's all evil, there's no good, and we're like dizzy trying to figure out what's all wrong with the world, and Paul says it's real simple. Turn off the news and just go do good to somebody. There's some little kid laying in the street because he, he bruised his knee. Go give him a quarter. Help him up. Do something. Do anything. Do good, and it will help bring that atmospheric shift one little person at a time. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now here's the thing. I was thinking about this today as I was doing yard work. That's where I get all my deep thoughts. When I'm sweating like crazy, picking up sticks, mowing the lawn. Here's the thing. All we have to do is care. All we have to do is genuinely care about people. Suddenly we're in full-time ministry. And you know what? Life's an adventure after that. Because it becomes, who can we bless? We are very powerful, actually. We're not victims. We actually have the power to leave our home, walk down the street, and encourage somebody. Or pick up our phone and call somebody and bless them. There's so much ministry we can do to help people. Once you point the arrow out, and you just say, you know what, I'm going to just genuinely care about people. That doesn't mean we don't have boundaries and it doesn't mean we don't draw a line here and there. We have to have our time with Jesus and all of that. I can't tell you how many times people tell me, Derek, I'm so bored. All you need is a revelation. And that revelation is you have the power to love and bless a neighbor. Anybody in need. Might be right next door, might be down the street. And I tell you what, you'll never have a boring day the rest of your life 
if you know that you have the power to minister to someone else and touch them and change them. Let me just throw out a few ideas. I'm going to bring it to a close quicker than... Maybe I'll hit it right on the nose, 745. We'll see. Just practical ideas. Consider greeting people. My wife makes fun of me because I wave at people who aren't looking at me. <laughs> that was for you, honey. I know she's watching. I, I wave at people and they're not even looking. And I just, in case they're looking, hey! Greet people. Acknowledge them. Wave at them. Text them an encouragement. Romans 16 Paul actually has to put in the Bible, greet people, because he knows we're so awkward, we wouldn't even do that if it wasn't in the Bible. Oh man, just saying hello to people goes a long way. These are all things I've done. This is not an exhaustive list. I love just being a blessing. I love doing ministry 24-7. This is what I'm doing here is less than 1% of my ministry. And I would say to anybody listening or anybody watching, don't aspire to stand behind a pulpit. That's at 1% of ministry. Aspire to do ministry every day of your life. Not, not on a stage. I mean, do the stage when God calls you to it, but do it all day, all night. The person behind you at the cash register, I love doing this. I turn around and I say, hey, bro, can I buy that for you? It's so fun. People are like, what? Huh? That's weird. What? <laughs> now, if they have $150 worth of stuff, I, I kind of like hesitate. I just, if they have one or two things, hey, can I buy that? I tell you what, that cuts through a lot of weird stuff real quick when you just say, I just want to buy that for you. Can I do that? Whether it's a, a man or a woman or white or black or you just do it to be kind to them and it, it sometimes it really moves people and guess what then they have a vision for it and they go do it and they bless somebody i do it because i love jesus and that's my heart i want them to see jesus in me consider buying something for people Maybe on the way home from that, you see a child running a lemonade stand. Go to that lemonade stand and just drop a 20 in there and just, I believe in your business. I love doing that. Give me 10 of those lemonades. I'll do 10 of those. That's fun. Blessings to you, neighbor. Yes, sir. Walk around the neighborhood in a spirit of prayer. Looking for ways to be a blessing. Maybe the workplace. Be led by the Spirit. The the, the goal here is not to think of what's this extraordinary thing I can do one day. Jesus is teaching here. what, What you see is you're just going about your life journey. Whatever kind of falls in front of you, do that well. I put here, pick on someone. Just pick someone near to you. Or maybe a friend far away, you can call them. Just pick on somebody to bless. And follow through with it. Just be thoughtful. It doesn't have to be extravagant. Like you see these celebrities buy their friends new cars and there's a big article about it. 
just send a card or a little a book or you know little things it, it blesses people and it, it moves their heart and it shifts the atmosphere uh, just the other day uh, there's a there's a, a lady who lives behind our house next to Joe actually who just had to leave and uh, she has her grandkids over a lot and so one day I just there's a bunch of little kids running around, a couple adults, and so I said, hey, can I just give them some of our chalk? Because I just bought this huge box of chalk off Amazon, the biggest I could find. And I just said, hey, can I give them some chalk? And they're like, yeah, we just ran out. And so I gave them this big old Walmart bag of chalk, and it just was so cool because they were so happy. And they were like playing with chalk for the next hour. The adults were having fun. And it just kind of shifted the atmosphere, and I felt great about it. Just wanted to love on some kids. And then the funny thing is, an hour or two later, a different neighbor who had no idea shows up at our house and knocks on our door and said, hey, I've been doing cleaning and I found a box of sidewalk chalk. Do you guys want it? (laughs) And so the Lord paid us back instantly. It was really a funny thing. But he loves to do that. He, He every once in a while just loves to wink at us and say, keep up the good work. I saw that. Here's the thing, whenever we go bless a neighbor or someone that needs help, he always takes care of us. Because the enemy lies to us and says, you can't spend money on them, then you're going to run out of money. When the reality is when we bless people, he's got our back. He's a good father. Now, why do I share some of this? It's it's this. I've got to bring this to a close here. See, the news cycles, they'll change. This discussion about Mr. Floyd is going to be gone in a week or two. The discussion about coronavirus is going to fade and something else is going to dominate. The presidential election will come. But here's the thing. The things that are happening right now where everybody says, I'm going to be, you know, better person. Okay, well, when it's out of the news, are you still going to... Paul says, overcome evil with good. Purpose set in your heart your whole life. No matter what's in the news, no matter what's going on, just purpose to do good to others always. And so this, this kind of this sense of this, this altruism of we need to all do better is going to leave the news cycle. But it doesn't have to leave our heart. If we are acting in the spirit of Christ, if we're pursuing Him, if we are His disciples, this is stuff we're going to want to do every day, whether it's dominating news headlines or not. And so my call tonight is let's be like Jesus. He was the ultimate Good Samaritan. He saw our broken life full of sin, and He stopped and said, you're nothing like me but I'm going to pay the ultimate price of my shed blood in my body to help you. Now, will you do it in kind to others? And may we say yes today, may we say yes tomorrow, and may our whole life be a reflection of that highest, perfect Samaritan who, instead of walking the other side of the road, said, Derek, Man, you're half dead, full of sin, total worldliness. But here, I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to take you to the inn, get you dressed up, get you all saved and filled up, and I'm going to 
put you back out there and now because of the way I've treated you, you're going to do it to others. It is so fun and it is so adventurous to have a constant pursuit of the Lord. Yes, number one, but number two, looking at people with eyes of compassion, how can I help them? And we'll end right there. Amen and amen. Right on the nose, 745. Praise the Lord. Jesus, we pray that you would help us to be those that overcome evil with good. Even in a tense time, there's fears that are running high, there's tensions. Help us, Father. Help us to heed the prophetic word. Help us to heed the apostolic exhortation to overcome evil with good. And we thank you for this in the name of Jesus. I want to thank those who've tuned in on Facebook. This will be up live uh, Monday. I mean, I'm sorry, it will be posted for, the recording will be posted on Monday for you to uh, listen to. But we are going to gather in the room for a brief time of prayer. And so we're going to sign out right now. Bless you. And Caleb, why don't you come say a closing prayer? Caleb's going to sign us off. Lord, I pray in the name of God that we all have a good day today and that um, the coronavirus would end again and all the people in the world will be safe. In the name of God, amen.